So John, have you read Catcher in the Rye? Did you no, read it? I actually never have read Catcher in the Rye. I just read it actually for the first time. I yeah. never read it in high school. Yeah, yeah, I never had to either. I know a lot of people do that. Yeah. It's like pretty typical assigned reading type deal. <laughs> right? I think the advanced classes read it, but yeah. it wasn't good enough to be in them. Yeah. You know? All right, well, we're going to get started in this episode. We're out in the studio in Brooklyn. Ayo. So this podcast was inspired by my recent reading of uh, The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. And as I, as you heard before, I'd never read this book, and I regrettably missed out on this book in high school. I think this would have been a lavish book to have read when I was 17 years old, to have been introduced to Holden Caulfield and the way he navigates and see, sees the world. I think for me to have had that would have definitely shaped my experience and gave me some wisdom and guidance that I wasn't getting at the time. So I absolutely can say I adored this book. I cherish this book and its characters. And though I'm contradicting myself because I, I also found myself completely terrified to see how much I actually identified with Holden Caulfield. And if you don't know Holden, he is sort of like a Shakespearean wise fool, an angst teenager who is constantly, constantly, constantly complaining about the phoniness of modern life, but who is most certainly going through a mental breakdown from trauma in his life that he doesn't even seem to have the capacity to recognize. Reading this novel is like having an intimate conversation with a friend over coffee, and you're just listening and listening and listening to their story, and you, there are times that you just want to stop them, like, what, like, what the fuck? And they don't even realize those tiny moments that are shocking, that are very, 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 very eventful and tragic. So Holden is a teenager transitioning into adulthood, and he has no one to guide him. He's misunderstood, and he's terrified of the world around him. He doesn't understand it. So throughout the novel, he's constantly throwing out the term phony, phony. Everyone and everything is a phony. And now it's been two weeks since I put the book down and there hasn't been a day that has gone by where the word phony hasn't emerged on the stage of my mind in some kind of story that is trapping me, that is limiting me, that is causing me to, to not believe in myself or trust myself, causing me to feel separate from others, separate from life. And this idea of phoniness led me to think about self-doubt and how doubt is constantly posing this question. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And it entraps me in this trance of not being good enough, of not being worthy enough, of, not, of my experience not being valid, of me not belonging in the world. So with a graceful and mindful eye, I began to notice how this self-doubt crept in in all aspects of my life, like, am I meditating correctly? 
who am I to record a podcast and make meditation videos? What experience gives me the right to do this? Am I walking correctly? This, this is actually a thought I had that I could possibly be walking incorrectly. And when I order my coffee in the morning, am I doing it right? Like, what the fuck am I supposed to be doing right? Do I have the right answer to give to the professor? Am I really good enough to speak up? Is my opinion needed in class? Am I really lovable? Am I, wor- am I worthy of belonging? And with the help of Taya Brock, her talks in her book, Radical Acceptance, which I highly, highly, highly recommend, this self-doubt trance had me seeking evidence, proof, to, to fulfill my core belief that something is wrong with me, that I am not okay. And in the words of Holden Caulfield, that I am, in fact, a phony, a performer, a fake. And you can't talk about self-doubt without talking about identity. And of course, I am completely, completely, completely identified with these thoughts and stories that I'm having. I'm identifying with not being good enough, of not being worthy of belonging. And deep down, I come to believe that in my core, there, there is something wrong with me, and I develop this sense of badness and phoniness. Now I want to read from Tara Brock's book, Radical Acceptance, on what she calls the trance of unworthiness because I think her insights are just very profound and lovely and she speaks so compassionately. And in order for us to work with our our beliefs and our self-doubt, we have to shine awareness of them on them and become mindful of them. So she says Inherent in the trance is the belief that no matter how hard we try, we are always, in some way, falling short. The belief that we are deficient and unworthy makes it difficult to trust that we are truly loved. Feeling unworthy goes hand in hand with feeling separate from others, separate from life. We fear that if they realize we are boring or stupid or selfish or insecure, they'll reject us. If we're not attractive enough, we may never be loved in an intimate, romantic way. We yearn for an unquestioned experience of belonging, to feel at home with ourselves and others, at ease and fully accepted. But the trance of unworthiness keeps the sweetness of belonging out of reach. Convinced that we are not good enough, we can never relax and stay on guard, monitoring ourselves for shortcomings. When we inevitably find them, we feel even more insecure and undeserving. Mother Teresa says that the biggest disease today is not leprosy or tuberculosis, but rather the feeling of not belonging. In closing, Tara writes, we long to belong and we feel as if we don't deserve to. What resonated with me was this idea of monitoring our shortcomings, monitoring and keeping up the evidence that I'm not worthy, that I don't belong, that I'm not doing something right, and believing in the storyline that fundamentally something is wrong with me. And now self-doubt makes feeling at home with ourselves seem impossible, and self-doubt, for me, makes feeling like a phony our true identity. 
This brings out feelings of shame and fear, and the voice in my head makes me believe that this self-doubt is my future, that there's no escaping, that this sense of badness is from the apple being eaten, that I was born with this badness, and that I shall die with this badness, that there's no chance for freedom. I use my experience from the past to create storylines for the future of why I don't deserve to belong, why I don't deserve to raise my hand in class to share an answer or an opinion. And upon investigation, it's, it's completely silly and laughable and it's worth giving yourself a hug over um, because it's not true. The thoughts are real, but it's not true. It's not an easy thing to do to investigate our thoughts and sit with ourselves and untangle the stories. But it's completely possible. It's completely possible to learn to trust ourselves and to learn to shine loving awareness on our thoughts and beliefs and see beneath them, to see our true selves, our Buddha nature, our Christ nature, our, our basic goodness, the gold beneath our skin. We can learn to move past the way of thinking that I am my beliefs. Returning to Catcher in the Rye, Holden Caulfield spends most of the book wandering around in Manhattan, lost, confused, shouting his dead brother's name, calling friends at payphones, being rejected and denied personhood. He tells us he feels lonesome and rotten and longing deeply for connection, fails to, even with the hire of a prostitute. He walks marvelous blocks, he tells us, from hotel bar to hotel bar. And as he walks and he navigates his night in New York City, he's constantly asking, where do the ducks go in winter in Central Park South? Where do the ducks go in winter? Where do the fucking ducks go in winter? Where do the fucking ducks go in winter? It very much frightens me to identify with such a character because, I mean, if you've read the book, you either hate him or feel bad for him. He's kind of an annoying asshole. Albeit, he is misunderstood, troubled, and traumatized and 16 years old. And I argue that he deserves compassion. But I came to see that his story is universal and that I wasn't alone with my identification with him. And... While I was walking around aimlessly in Manhattan, I realized I was stuck in this trance of unworthiness, completely unpresent, monitoring the way I walked, the way I had my mask on, the way my hands moved, and I felt like I didn't belong in the city. I felt the way I dressed wasn't good enough. I felt that I didn't seem interesting enough. I was afraid of not being interesting enough because if I'm not interesting enough, I don't I don't belong. If I'm not creative enough, I don't belong. And in the same way Holden is always, always, always begging to know where the ducks go in winter time, I'm asking, well, how can I heal self-doubt? How can I embrace my life with the heart of the Buddha? And so recently I learned more about the myth of the Buddha. And in his awakening story, before 
he becomes the Buddha. Buddha means enlightened one. Siddhartha sat under the Bodhi tree. All night he pledged to sit until he, he woke up. And the god of Mara, the god of delusion, the shadow side, the god of desire, they all came at him and faced him with challenges. And he sat through them mindfully and compassionately, continuing so throughout the night. But I found out the last god of Mara he had to face was the god of self-doubt. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? This demon said to him, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to sit out here all night? Who do you think you are to love freely? Who do you think you are to love compassionately? Who do you think you are to become the awakened one? Who do you think you are? Where do the ducks go in winter? The story of the Buddha and of Holden Caulfield, the suffering of self-doubt is universal. Believing that something is wrong with us is a deep and tenuous suffering. We can learn to meet ourselves with loving kindness and move past the stories we tell ourselves and see the gold that shines within us. I also just came across um, a lovely, beautiful poem by, by Mark Nepo who who I think sums up Holden Caulfield in, in this podcast. I'm going to read it now. We waste so much energy trying to cover up who we are when beneath every attitude is the want to be loved and beneath every anger is a wound to be healed and beneath every sadness is the fear that there will not be enough time. Our challenge each day is not to get dressed to face the world, but to unglove ourselves so that the doorknob feels cold and the car handle feels wet and the kiss goodbye feels like the lips of another being, so soft and unreputable. Thank you for listening to me today and now let's go off and breathe together and Graciously learn to trust ourselves and the world around us. element that it offers a feeling that we're not good enough, that there's something wrong with us and we're not worthy. So I now invite you to consciously deepen your breath wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And as we begin to breathe together, I want us to acknowledge that this life is moving and this life is changing. So begin to inhale through the nostril and exhale through the nostrils. And as you continue to breathe, pray with me and use this mantra. 
May I love and accept myself just as I am. May I love and accept myself just as I am. May I love and accept myself just as I am. Now take the deepest breath you've taken all day, inhaling all the way down into the belly and exhaling through the nose. I'm going to do it with you. And let's do it again. And I want you to slowly begin to visualize in your mind's eye what it would look like and what would it feel like for you to accept life, accept yourself exactly as you are. And as you take a few more deep breaths and then allow your breath to be natural, may your heart and mind awaken and may you be free. Maybe you feel the breath on the tip of your nose and feel the breath go deep into your belly and move throughout your chest. There's no correct way of breathing. And as your mind naturally begins to drift off into thoughts, which it will, you can return to the breath and return to the breath and return to the breath. When we pay close attention to the breath, we can begin to quiet the chatter of mind and become the observer and observe the stories we tell ourselves and the thoughts we have instead of identifying with them we begin to see how we are not the doubts we have, we are not the fears they ha we have, we are simply aware of them. And you can bring love and kindness and compassion to these thoughts. And a mantra that works is, I choose to let go. Whenever you find yourself getting caught up in a story that is taking away from your worth, telling you you're not worthy enough, you can simply say goodnight and go to that thought. I choose to let go. I choose to let go. The trance of unworthiness can show up in so many ways, but it comes down to accepting yourself as you truly are. In this moment, do you accept yourself just as you are? Ask yourself right now, do I accept myself just as I am? And return to breathing naturally. And you can rest your left hand on your heart space and your right hand on your belly and continue to breathe. Do I accept myself just as I am? And you can move to ask the question, how can I show up for myself? How can I hold space for myself? And it's in these moments of turning to the breath, of turning to mindfulness that we can begin to awaken 
and begin to show ourselves love, kindness, and compassion. Feel free to keep breathing as we slowly end this meditation and talk. I appreciate everyone who joined me in this conversation today. May your heart and mind awaken and may you be free. Namaste.